Well, good evening and welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich Mellon. And I'm Sandy Mellon. And uh, it is near the end of March here. We are we are social distancing and <laughs> a new word none of us knew a year ago. Who, who, who knew that the internet was made for this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it's a snowy but milder day here. And... Uh, yeah, we're ready to go. Our guest is with us today from Pennsylvania, and it's Alan Props. And everybody in the outdoors knows Alan's name. Uh, pretty interesting. I had to chat with him a little earlier today, uh, talk about uh, what we're, we're going to talk about during the pro- podcast. And I learned all kinds of stuff about him. How are you this evening, Alan? Oh, I'm good. We got our technical difficulties figured out on my end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Uh, oh, we just got I, thinking I, that I know. Go ahead. I was just going to say we we got thinking that maybe uh, all of the internet airwaves were crowded with people who couldn't watch their kids play hockey or ball or anything else, so they're all on the internet. Maybe that was part of our problem. Yeah, and that, and I know enough to get myself in trouble. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about where you live and how you got started in trapping. Trapping is obviously where I know you from, but tell us, tell us a little bit about your history and, and how we got to where we're at today. Uh, well, I grew up in the North Central Mountains of Pennsylvania and, you know, my family, my dad, my uncles, my grandfather, my great grandfather you know, all trapped, you know, they did other jobs. They weren't professional trappers by any means. They weren't out making their living doing it, but pretty much during trapping season, all of their spare time was spent chasing critters. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the seventies and I caught my first muskrat when I was seven. And I've had what I call the fever since where it's just, been a passion of mine trapping that one-on-one experience with the animal and 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 i just think it's uh you know it's one of the, the best things that somebody can do in nature is to go out there and get that animal to put his foot uh or take himself into about a two to three inch square area trap pan and end up uh catching them and it's just that one-on-one aspect of it which really always drew me to it but uh, i grew up in north central like i said mountains of pennsylvania uh, i was stealing my dad's traps with my neighbor buddies and going up and trying to catch rats in the dump and it was just uh from that point on it's it's been a fire <laughs> in me sounds like boy heaven <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there wasn't much else to do. <laughs> exactly. I know I was uh, at a meeting here a couple of years ago, and both the presidents of both the large fur auctions in the in the world were, were there. And uh, the one was Rob Cahill from uh, North American Fur Auctions, and, and he said uh, that they were going to quit taking uh, muskrats and squirrels. And... He was running this idea kind of up the flagpole in front of uh, Mark Downey, who's the, the president of, of Fur Harvesters. And Mark turned to, to Rob and said, I'll never do that. 
He says, because every kid out there starts their trapping career with muskrats or with squirrels. And he says, I'm not going to do that. He says, that's cutting our own throat down the road. And I, I thought the world uh, of yep. Mark when he said that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about it. Uh, no different than if you want to take a kid fishing, you're going to take them, you know, for panfish or something that's easier to catch versus going out there trying to get a, a trophy trout or, a, you know, a trophy bass in the boat. And it's a lot easier to find some muskrats and take the kid out and get that passion going for the outdoors uh, versus trying to get a kid to to pound in uh, stakes into the ground in freezing temperatures and trying to catch a, a coyote or a wolf. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but when it comes to things like the muskrats and squirrels, you can let them go on their own a lot. You know, it's 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 not so yep. so critical. It's not like they're going to you know, be caught in a, in a, you know, number nine trap and, and ha have a heck of a time. I mean, they'll get a good swat if they, if they're not careful with a zero jump trap or whatever, but the, you know, they'll learn their lesson. That's, that's where the kids should start, right? Oh, absolutely. We've all learned those lessons. I got, I got, uh, I still got a bruise from this fall. I snapped my thumb right in a one and three quarter Duke down here when I was out setting and it still uh, gave me a little bite. Well, it hit me perfect right on the thumbnail, and it basically, basically, oh. still, uh, still some remnants of it. Oh, they got a good swat those one and three quarters too. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And you know the the thing about it, um, you know, you you hit it right on the head, or he hit it on the head when he said that, because. You know where we're at as a, as a society, as an industry, um, we have as a culture moved away from pretty much. You know, and we may get back to it due to this virus. You know, just like your wife just said, we're we're you know social distancing and and you know we've gotten away as a culture and as a society from that that uh living off the land the the whole self preservation the whole you know aspect of that to where this may shock some people back into it i mean you know it's it's pretty mind numbing to me when you know you have and i don't know where this originated i know it was the mainstream media i don't know which channel or or where but one person mentions that there may be a toilet paper shortage uh it goes viral and people are hoarding toilet paper i mean I, I, literally if that's the thing that you that. think you know <laughs> if you think that's what you need during the quote unquote apocalypse you are in trouble yeah you're you're in deep trouble I I really, you know, most times I get along in the modern world pretty smoothly. Sandy. Most times. Yeah, Sandy's rolling her eyes looking at me. <laughs> most times, you know, it, it's pretty seamless fit. But when this came up, this, you know, isolation and all that kind of stuff, I realized how out of step I was with the with the world because my life has basically changed zero. <laughs> I still yeah, you're, trap you're, 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 you know, I, I saw a meme. <laughs> on facebook here a week or so ago and it was a picture i think of marilyn manson or something i'd have to look for it but it's it's them staring out a window 
and it was the, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was more like everybody's saying we have to self-isolate, and hell, I've been planning for that for the last 10 years. You know, yeah. I've been practicing. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I've been practicing and up here on my mountain with nobody around. So, what's the difference? Yeah, I think there's there's been some really good memes out there over all of this, and if nothing oh, else, yeah. it shows that people still do have a sense of humor. Well, it's funny because, because yeah, you just have to. Have <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't keep your humor, you're you're in trouble. I've. Um, busy time of the year for us of course we're editing right now for uh for season six and and it's funny so i pretty much crawled into the uh edit suite on the on the first of march and you know we're day 25 or whatever and and tomorrow i've got a i've got a a, a new argo sitting at the at the dealership here in in town that i i, I gotta go pick up and that's gonna be the first time i'll have gone to town in in that in those 25 days and it's like but that's normal you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, he's like making his monthly trip." You know, it's his monthly trip yeah. to get his to get <laughs> no his groceries. Sleds, I mean, no. that's no you know no different. You know, dog sleds, yeah. So it's no different. You know, and and I envy yeah. you for that because uh, you know I live, I am in the Pocono Mountains now here in Pennsylvania. I'm on the upper end of the Pocono Mountains, but I'm you know an hour or a little bit outside of. New York, an hour and 20 minutes outside of Philly. And really the Lehigh Valley that I live in is, you know, you're talking 500, 700,000 people down the valley. So I kind of envy the, I, I got my isolation in the middle of that, but I'm, I'm not isolated like that, where if I drive five miles in three of the four directions, you know, I'm hitting the the civilization per se and uh it's nice to you know i, I miss uh having the you know out in the middle of nowhere having that you know i guess sanctuary all to myself anyway it is it, it's times like this when you 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 begin to understand that your life is maybe a little different than the rest of the world but you could be right that people are are waking up because you know they're worried more about you know surviving and and uh, about taking care of themselves have you ever seen so many bread recipes on on the internet as there has been the last couple of weeks <laughs> well it's, it's 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 sad you know it is it's it's hilarious in one aspect of it and then it's sad in the other because you look at it to where I'm not worried about running out of food. If we run out of food, I'll go out and set a, a, a Duke dog proof and catch a raccoon and we'll eat for a week. But the, the, you look at like just, well, the toilet paper, the, the paper towels, the milk, the eggs, the bread, the, all, everything, you know, while everybody's grabbing the bread off of the shelf, thank God that, I I know how to make bread, so I'm going over and I'm grabbing the flour and I'm grabbing the salt and I'm you know I I'm gonna grab all that stuff because that's gonna last me a last a lot longer than a loaf of bread that's gonna go stale or moldy in a week. And and these people yeah. are are very are very uh, they're not self sufficient. The the and that's what has happened with society. Everything is easy now. Where, you know, running through a drive-thru, nobody has to make anything. 
And I think moving forward, this may change some attitudes. Uh, I actually was just talking with Bill Duke about this two days ago. We had a long conversation about uh, we had some things we needed to talk about, and this was brought up, and I you know, gave him my opinion, and he agreed. And, and he had some good interjection coming back as well, where, where this is uh, something that we can, as outdoorsmen, you know, in general, but more so as trappers showing the viability of, you know, the, the art of trapping, not only as a predation, you know, method or a, uh, you know, fur method, but, and also a method that can help you find food. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's all these different things that we can capitalize on. And, you know, I'm, we're not going to change the minds of, of these eco-terrorists, ALF and ELF and PETA and Humane Society, but we can, we can touch that other 90% that are sitting in their house right now, scared of their own shadow, because they know that if the grocery store shut down, they can't feed themselves. Well, I'm amazed at how many people are worried right now how they're going to eat if the restaurants close. And it's oh, like, it's unreal. Are you kidding me? Well, they've been closed here for like, a week and a half now, and and you're already starting to see on the internet, uh, people are starting like, "Where's my money?" And 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 I I am a big fan of Donald Trump's. I like his i like aggressive people i like people who are not afraid to say what's on their mind get in your face have a conviction about something faith and, and a lot of different things that go in that so i'm a big fan of donald am i a, a trumpster where he can't do anything wrong no i'm not a big fan of this bailout uh there's a i don't want to get into that politics of it but there are a lot of things that that I don't like about this, and 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 what I think uh, is being done is just the the different aspects of what we're going through can be used to to you know take more of our freedoms away from us and make us even more dependent if we don't watch it on the government. And the last thing we want is to be dependent because. These type of situations really show that people need to get their act together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess, like you said, maybe that's part of our responsibility to, to keep showing the way, right? That, that it can go well, on yeah. and on. I had no idea that, you know, there were people that actually lived at other restaurants because Sandy, of course, has a job where she's uh, interacting in the business world all the time. So she probably, you know, has lunch with a, a client four out of five days a week. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not and, anymore. <laughs> and and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have lunch four times a year, would I, Sandy? Well, as long as we went to your favorite restaurant, <laughs> you would be fine. But, but no, I mean it's just not it's not part of your daily life and it and it used to be part of mine. Now we don't even now we have things like virtual coffees and stuff like that and it's it's yeah. even more critical that we stay in touch with each other and that's why you know having this set up to do 
um, a podcast on a on a remote basis with you, Alan, is is really great for us and yeah. and you know good for our viewers and people who keep track of us and and offer us suggestions because it's just the way that we have to do things anymore. Um, I was just I was just surprised though when the you know the toilet the great toilet paper hoarding last week started right. Yeah. And the people that yes, were, you know, yeah. they were panicking what they were going to do for, for water and everything else. And, and it's like, how long could we live with what we have in our freezer and oh. our, our pantry? Well, oh, I got a good I, I year. I got a good months. year. Yeah, I got a good yeah. year because yeah. I actually have a lot of my stock for my meat company here. So, um, right. you know, but right. it's well, it's, it's, oh. it's well protected too, you know, to where. I have signs that we're, we're the same. You know, I have, believe it or not, to say. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I posted up a, like, a posting on on Facebook today that I'd went out and plowed my uh, plowed the road. We have a half mile of road out to the highway, and and it had drifted all shut yesterday, and so there was three feet of snow overall. But I said I was out there plowing out the road so the zombies could get in. I was bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, it's, 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 you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes and there's going to be a lot of, uh, different, um, things that, uh, are going to change. Well, people laughed at the preppers and I don't think many people are laughing anymore. No, no. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's going to change. We'll see where we go. I hope everybody stays safe and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, time is going to tell. It's a very, very, uh, you know, I mean, daily. It's a rotating situation in flux, per se. But trapping season will be here soon, and we'll be all right. All right. Well, we're back. We ended up getting the virus or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. I mean... Uh, turned out that, that the recordings were good, but because they're they're internet based, but I had no idea what you were saying, and it, we just couldn't carry on a conversation anymore. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're back at it again today. Yeah, it's good. So I was just about to ask you. Um, so you caught your first muskrat at seven. How did how did things progress after that? What was next in your in your trapping life? Well, you know. My dad had me out there. That was actually through the ice. I actually have a picture of it, which is kind of ironic because back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones and stuff. It was one of those little disposables. But, uh, you know, I would steal traps out of my dad's garage, like I said. We'd go try and catch rats in the dump. And basically, uh, I ended up catching the dumb. My dad said I caught the dumbest fox in the county when I was about 11. Um, he, uh, he couldn't believe I caught one and, uh, you know, that's when they were selling right there at the late seventies, early eighties, you know, cherry red was 70, 80 bucks and, yeah. you know, 70, that's 80 nice. bucks. Oh, geez. Back then 70, 80 bucks. That's like two fifty to 300 in today's buying power. So, you know, yep. as a 11 year old kid, I was rich. Oh but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just really, you know, just from, I think kids in general try to emulate their parents and, and, you know, I had my father, both of my uncles, my dad's two brothers, my grandfather, 
uh, my great grandfather who was uh, passed away by then. But the pictures and the stories, you know, it just trapping was just one of those things that was inside me. And uh, my dad here in northeastern central Pennsylvania, uh, he caught a coyote in 1977. He actually thought it was a German Shepherd, but his dad was with him and he said, no, 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 you got something there. And he ended up, uh, they ended up sending it because uh, it was the first one in the area or maybe even Pennsylvania. And they sent it away to Penn State University to have the DNA and everything checked. And it came back full 100% Eastern Coyote. And um, I remember you guys' picture in the paper, and I could probably find that somewhere. But uh, pretty interesting, you know, uh, you know, how it all came about. And then I, you know, went and played baseball, like I said. And every year, though, I would come back and, and just get my trapping fixed every year. It was just something that was just burning deep inside me, you know, from day one. Well, I think that's part of the lure of trapping. I mean, I know with our show, and we've said this many times, is is that we probably have most every trapper that has internet or, or TV or whatever as a fan, but 80% of our, our fans aren't trappers. I think it's just something that's just hardwired. You know, you don't have to scratch anybody very deep. There isn't very many generations that you have to go back before we were all pioneers or settlers or homesteaders, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. You know, here, I don't know how you, I think you said you were 55 or 56 or whatever, and I'm 50. And, you know, you think about it. Well, 50 years old I am. So 1970, if you take 50 back to that, I'm going through the, the great depression so it's it's you know history is not that far back you're absolutely right no no and it's amazing when you talk about what what fur was worth back you know when when i was a kid and um this would have been before before the uh anything like uh we had quotas or anything like that so if you had a resident trapper's license, which is, gives you per permission to to trap on private land in in Alberta. We had a resident resident's uh, trapper's license. Uh, we we were catching links, and that was at the time that would be the, the late seventies, seventy nine, eighty, right in there, when mm -hmm. links were worth so much. Well, I had one that sold for thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget. And the place doesn't exist anymore, but it was the Thunder Bay Fur Market, yep. and where it went and. Thirteen hundred dollars, and when you I got that buy check, a new car back then. You could literally, I mean, you could literally probably buy a vehicle at that time for less than two thousand bucks, brand yeah, new. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's really, and, and you know, what you're saying about having fans that aren't trappers, um, you know, doing the stuff that I've done for going on twenty years now with the dvds the instructional dvds and things like that and just trying to show trapping in a positive light and the environmental and ecological aspects of it that are i think even going to come more to the forefront now as human expansion continues um but even with the show that we've done uh with through f and t and things of that nature we have a lot of people that are not trappers that are just fascinated by you know, the, the closeness that we get to these animals. And it's, and it's, it's pretty interesting to see some of the comments and I'm sure you get 
quite a few as well where you're like, yeah, I mean, that's something, you know, every day to us that is so foreign to so many other people. Well, that's one of the big comments I get and probably the biggest criticism I get is that you make it look so easy. And why didn't you show this? And why didn't you show that? Well, because I wasn't even thinking about what I was doing. Most of the time, my, my hands are doing it on their own, you know, mm -hmm. and, and re really w without any input from my brain, you know, <laughs> you know what well, I mean? And not, and not only that, we only have 28 <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds and we have to pay for our show. So we have to run commercials and everything else too. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, there's only so much that can go in a show and in order to, I guess, uh, one of the hardest things that I've always dealt with on the TV aspect, not so much the DVD aspect, because the DVD aspect, you can take your time and go through and you don't have to worry about time constraints. But one of the hardest things I've had to deal with, whether it's a hunting show or a fishing show or a trapping show or, or a, a special interest outdoor show, is trying to cherry pick and and put in the show which keeps the attention of all viewers versus one specific demographic and that's that is a tough tough thing to do at times oh you're so right and you know you end up for us i call it the housekeeping stuff right whether you're mm -hmm. getting wood or or you're renovating the cabin or whatever that housekeeping stuff that you just kind of like to shuffle it underneath the carpet or if you're, you know, doing maintenance on a machine or whatever, and yet people yeah, exactly. are so hungry for that stuff, you know? Exactly. Like, like... Well, <laughs> you just called it housekeeping. I call it cutting room floor, like where we have a whole set being made. Let's say it takes nine minutes to make a set, and you want to dwindle that down to four minutes and 15 seconds, and maybe you have 13 frames that you need to get out of it as well. So we're, we're banging nine minutes, cutting it way in half. Now, all nine minutes was usable. But what do we use? Do, do we show pounding in the steak? Do we show sifting the dirt? Do we show putting the pan cover on? No, these, these are things that are, are so minute to the process that they don't make the show. And that's specifically exactly what you just said. People are like, well, why didn't you show this? Well, yeah. We didn't have time, and we were hoping that you knew that you had to use that, you know. So it's <laughs> it's pretty interesting, you know, when you look at it from that aspect. Well, just tell everybody how did you start in TV? Uh, literally, my whole thing with this was not even dealing with uh, uh, trapping DVDs per se, or actually, like I said before, I mean, I'm so been in this game so long, DVDs weren't even around. It was VHS back then. But myself and my roommate, when I was with the New York Mets in 2000, we would come back off of a road trip. Say we flew in from Syracuse into Norfolk, and it would be two o'clock in the morning. We would go to Walmart to see if they had any new Monster Buck videos or whatever or if they had any Roger Raglan videos, because that's all we did was sit there and watch that. And Jeff Fox were these redneck deer hunter. And, you know, so we just, he grew up in Pennsylvania too. And we just both were hunters and outdoorsmen. And we would literally watch and critique these videos like, man, why would they do that? And, and I lived in Orlando for a couple of years. And as I said before, I, I just said, I want to do this. And I, met with uh, the Outdoor Channel and said, I'd like to do a trapping 
TV show, and the guy's like, well, there's definitely a need for it. And then I quickly found out that, wow, it's going to take a lot more than just getting a camera to figure this stuff out. And I was ignorant to the whole process. I just had a passion and and really just uh, the Internet was just starting to get into full force there in the early 2000s. And I camped out with a laptop on my lap. And just researched and researched and researched. And, and and I found, I don't know if you ever heard of the forum, Trapperman.com. You bet. I found Trapperman. Yep. I found Trapperman very early on in the process. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, holy hell. There, they, there's all these trappers. Oh, my God. This is so <laughs> awesome. And I was so green to the fact of the internet mob and all of everything that's out there. I'm just, I dude, I'm me. I don't I don't have any problems with anybody unless they give me an issue. I'm more or less, hey, this is what I do. And I, hey, oh, that's great. Good for you. And, and I'm, I <laughs> wish success for everybody. And I got on there and I'm like, well, this is how I make a set. And dude, it was like within two days, I had 50 people tell me, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? <laughs> and it was just. You know, the first night I called my dad and I said, Dad, I found this place. There's all these trappers. It's pretty unbelievable. I can't believe it. And then a week later, I'm like, I don't even want to deal with these people. And, <laughs> and, and no, no, there's a lot of truth to this because it, it amazes me. And I'm sure I'm going to piss a lot of people off with this statement. And really, I don't care because it is black and white. And the truth is the truth. If you're online the first day of trapping season and you're sitting there telling people how to trap, I'm pretty sure you're not putting any traps in the ground. And, <laughs> and, 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 and there's literally hundreds of people on these forums that will sit there and bash a kid. Nothing, nothing cracks me up more. I saw a post. I don't remember what forum it was on. This is probably six months ago. This kid gets on there. I caught my coyote. I made this set. I drilled a hole in the stump and I put some lure in the and I got to Kyle, and there was literally eight to ten people telling this kid he did it wrong. And he's literally <laughs> holding the dead coyote in the picture. Okay? You gotta be a special kind of stupid to be sitting there ripping this kid for catching well, a coyote the wrong way when he's holding the dead coyote. I just don't understand it. Absolutely. I've I've been involved. Uh, I'm I'm 60 here uh, now, and uh, I've been involved with dealing with the government and, and changes in laws and that for for a long time. And you know, you sit in these committees, you know, various user groups and that meeting with with, with the government, and yeah. you're negotiating it. I mean, and now one of my sons is is doing it, and so stuff that I fought with the government about, you know, 15 years ago, he's fighting about the, with with today, you know. And I say to him, you know, I said, Matt, if if one of your kids takes up your your, your footsteps and 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 follows, oh, he's going to be fighting with them the same thing. Yeah, it'll be the third generation of melons that are that'll fight with the government. But one thing I learned sitting in these user groups is that if you took a hundred average Alberta hunters and put them in a a room and let them negotiate the new regulations in two weeks we wouldn't be allowed to hunt <laughs> oh, <know? laughs> absolutely you know i've always said that you could take 10 really really intelligent people and turn them into basically idiots if you put them on a board it, it just yeah. it, it, it it i don't know what happens but you know getting back and i don't want to get on a rant here or whatever but i want to just touch on that forum issue again 
there are so many positives about being on a forum or any forum dealing with trapping and because it promotes the sport and this and that and the other thing. The one thing we have to do as trappers, though, is to understand that there's really, in North America, Canada and the United States combined, there is literally less than 150,000 of us, okay? We are a very small minority with very limited funds to compete against the Humane Society who took in over 160 million, PETA yeah. who takes in 20-some million a year. You know, and, and the infighting that goes on in this community absolutely is mind-numbing to me to where just the example I gave where people are getting on this kid, he didn't make the set right. That kid should have had nothing less than 99.999% positive comments. And and literally, it was half and half. Now, it probably got more as time went on, but it just it, it just is something that we as a community have to understand that if we don't curb this and we don't stop this, this uh, infighting, it, it, the industry is too small to handle that. And, and anybody listen to this, I hope they take that with a, you know, some some mental aspect of their own and and try and do some more positive things take a kid trapping you know you know support for fish games support the trappers post support the nta support these organizations you are not going to agree with somebody 100% of the time one never it's not it's not going to happen it's not human nature but two it's going to be a detriment to our community. And, and if I could get one thing across to everybody is stop with the nonsense and start promoting and being positive in all aspects of trapping because, you know, California's gone. There's going to be other states to follow. And once it's gone, you're not getting it back. Well, you know, one of the things that that is important here is that, to understand is that the inter- internet is a, a special place of stupid yes. and that any forum or Facebook page or whatever is only as good as the moderator. Absolutely. Uh, we have, we have a very popular uh, Facebook page for, for the TV show and we're very firm. We don't, uh, people, people are unhappy with us because we don't allow sell uh, stuff to be sold and we don't allow uh, fights to be picked. And I don't care who picks the fight I just get rid of it. Right. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of, and now we have, we have a very, very, uh, well, you know, everybody enjoys, uh, posting up their pictures. Nobody's worried about getting flamed and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of interaction and a lot of exchange of, of ideas, right? Yeah. So, and I have to crack a joke here. You're 10 years older than me and I, I wouldn't even know what the word flame was till about six months ago. <laughs> you're, you're so far ahead of me with this on the on the terminology from our conversations. You've thrown two or three different words out. I'm like, yeah, he's way way more advanced with this <laughs> stuff than I am. <laughs> you know, though, I I mean, my my personal history too. You know, like we started our our hunting show in in '99, uh-huh. and. Uh, and we kept up with it until about three years ago. I had a partner in it, TJ, and uh, then we we had been doing two years of of the trapping show. So we left him with the the hunting show and moved oh, on cool. with the with the trapping. But it was very similar to what you said, where we would sit and we would we would uh, critique uh, watching a 
uh, a DVD or, or a show or whatever. And what it what what I've learned over time was that I was a lot better hunter than I, than I was a, a TV producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and and these other guys that were you know producing all these shows were a lot better TV producers than they were hunters. Than they were hunters, and, yep. Yeah, and somewhere in between, we you know we've we've kind of. Uh, you know we've grew, we've grown up and and we've uh, learned the stuff that it that it takes. I'll never begin to say that uh, I produce shows that are of the quality of of some people, like the technical quality, because our stuff is over the shoulder, nitty gritty. It's you're out on the trap line with us. You know what yep, I mean? Yep. Yep. And the the days of uh, of the, the hunting show when when we tried to do that that studio quality stuff and that it really ruined a lot of it. You, you lose a lot of the flow of what's going on, right? You do. You do. There's a, there's a happy medium there. I don't know if you knew this. I actually used to run my outdoor show on wild TV. I ran on wild TV for three years. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It was, uh, under the brand all outdoors. That was the name of my first TV show, all outdoors with Alan Probst. And then I changed it to, uh, uh, it runs now wild sportsman. Um, I don't run on wild TV now. I run, uh, AT&T Sportsnet here. We get about 20 million houses here in the United States, but uh, you're absolutely right. And and one of the things that I've tried to do is is a little bit of both. I, like I'm very graphically driven. If you see any of my stuff, it's very graphically driven, but I try and keep the content of the show as down to, uh, I don't want to use the word redneck because uh, it's not rednecky, but it's, it's bare bones, if we go trout fishing or we go rabbit hunting or we go uh, fox trapping or whatever, my goal when somebody watches the show is that they can in turn learn enough from that show and be shown everything that they would need to be successful if they went in the field to try it as well. And I've always tried to keep that uh, kind of that focus as a, a informational and a learning avenue for any viewer that watches it. So you're absolutely right. It's tough to, if you, you know, you see a lot of these shows out there that are just mainstream and, and I'm not a big fan of the whole, uh, you know, Michael Waddell. I'm a fan of Michael Waddell, but I'm not a fan of what a lot of those bigger names are doing now, turning it into reality type, tv i don't yeah, like yeah, i don't no. like outdoor reality type tv yes i i understand that that's our culture and that's probably where the the bigger viewerships and the in the bigger money is and and michael you know if you look at what they've done he's done a fantastic job in running with the markets as they've changed over the years but some of the best stuff michael ever did was when he was with Realtree and when he first started branching out on his own where him and his, his two buddies just it's just straight hunting and fishing and and, and bone collecting and yeah and yeah. I really, really enjoy that a lot more than, than I enjoy the reality type, you know, so tell tell craziness. me what, when you're talking about reality type, like uh, I haven't seen his stuff in years now. I mean, we don't get it here. What do you, what do you mean by by that? Is it like well, the over dramatized well, stuff or? Well, it's it's uh, it's almost it's not a copy because it's different, but it's a lot like the Duck Dynasty stuff where oh you okay. know there's there's okay. a lot of humor put into it and and I and I'm not bashing 
that aspect of it because he's he's one of the most successful and more power to him. Me as an outdoors person, though, I like that nitty gritty outdoor stuff. I'm not a big fan of the reality stuff. Now, did I watch Duck Dynasty and laugh at it? Absolutely. But I know those guys on a personal level, too, um, from being in the industry so long to where those guys are hardcore duck hunters and hardcore businessmen. I, me personally, would have loved to just go see and watch them do shows that were just hardcore hunting and whatever. Now, they mixed in some hunting and stuff in their shows, but those those shows that Duck Dynasty put out were so mainstream because of that, that uh, you know, aspect that they were trying to do, which is fine. And it was very successful. It's just me personally, I like that. I want to watch hunting and fishing. I don't well, need yeah, to laugh that, about it, you know? That that was the thing, though. It became entertainment and, and rather than an outdoor programming show, right? Well, it, it's, it was. It was entertainment. And they were very yep. successful at it and, and good for them. Um, but I do know that those guys are probably some of the best, if not the best, uh, duck hunters in the world. And, and, you know, also Willie has a good friend of mine, a couple good friends of mine that I used to play baseball with are actually part of his, uh, buck commander, um, Tombo Martin and logger hands and all those guys, they were base professional baseball players that now, and those guys are hardcore deer hunters, man. And I would love to watch the hardcore stuff versus the reality base. But I want to make one point here. I don't know if you get blue bloods up there where you are in uh, Canada. Um, it's Tom Selleck, the New yeah. York cop show. Yep. Well, blue bloods is a run of the mill cop show, but it's been so successful for so many years. It's outlived most all other ones that ever touch the airways. Is that because of Tom Selleck and the writing so much better? Yeah, maybe, whatever. It's a great show. But the thing that I think was the main cog of Blue Bloods being as long and successful as it's been, as well as Duck Dynasty, as long as it was, I personally feel that people love those two shows because those two shows show a family eating together and loving each other and and praying and all of those different things that go into what is missing from people's lives today. I think those two shows have resonated with the people because the people in general are missing what those shows are offering. You know, that's my philosophy on, on those two shows being successful, even though they're two completely different genres. You know, I, I won't disagree with you. And it's funny, and well, actually, it's not funny. It's sad that you would that you would notice those two shows because they're uh, of the the family and the and the uh, eating together and the praying and that kind of stuff. That yep. it's funny that they stick out because of that. And I don't mean funny in a in a no no a humorous I know exactly way. what you mean. You know, it's it, it's it's sad because that was every day. Like I mean, that was like we 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 were laughing the other day uh, about um, Bonanza used to come on, and it was an old time duster western thing that would come on on, on oh, sunday I love nights bonanza. i still watch bonanza I oh, watch yeah. it on, we have oh my god are you kidding me i still watch that the virginian uh daniel boone they're all on what's called the inspiration network here in the united states if you have direct tv 
channel 364 i watch that stuff daily oh cool very cool i watch the big valley yeah i watch that the rifleman (laughs) it's like non-stop it's the only channel i watch oh good (laughs) it's good (laughs) (laughs) so you did you did the the hunting um the outdoors show for how many years before you started the trapping show uh well i still do the outdoor show i've been since 2005 so i've been doing that 15 years Okay. Um the the trapping show came about and we first aired on Pursuit in 2010 and we're going into our 10th season uh right now actually 2011 we're going into our 10th season right now. Um F&T uh you know the, as you know in the trapping industry there's just not a lot of uh advertising dollars out there. Um and F&T uh took the uh, title sponsorship, which allowed the show to air. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people uh, have a misconception about when it comes to outdoor television. They don't understand that we as producers pay these networks to run our program. We do not get paid. Yeah. I, and, I, and that's a big misconception. People think, oh, they're, they're on TV. They're making millions of dollars. The chances <laughs> are we're actually maybe losing money and and they don't understand that um we are paying and that's across the board that's ted nugent uh you know all the different shows from top to bottom whether you're you know upper echelon like shockey or nugent or lee and tiffany or whatever all the way to down to the the little guys like us um we all pay the networks to air our programs and on you depend on your time slots the more money it costs to get into those better time slots. And I think a lot of people don't understand that fact. And that's why I'm always like, Hey, you have an idea, go do it. More power to you. How how many times have you heard this? You're living my dream. Oh, they, they have no idea. (laughs) They literally have no idea. The the sleepless nights. Oh, but I I tell them every time I say, no, I'm not. Because if it was your dream, you'd go out and do it. You know, yep. you you yeah. like the idea of what I'm doing, but it's not really your dream because it was it was my dream and and I'm doing it. But yeah, it didn't come easy. You didn't didn't get a lot of sleep while you're doing it. <laughs> no, and, and and the thing is, when you're self-employed, and, and I know myself, I have not gotten a check given to me. Well, but you earn a check. You know, you're yep. basically giving your labor. You know, that's what people don't understand. You're giving your labor and you're getting paid for your labor. That's what a check is every two weeks. I have not given my labor to anybody but myself since 2001 when I received my last check from the New York Mets. And I have paid my own insurance. I have to pay my own bills. I have to pay my own... Yes, I have to. I literally have not received a check for my labor other than having partners and and sponsors for what I'm doing on the TV stuff to promote their products. But I don't receive a check. And that's a lot of pressure that most people don't want to take on because it gives you a lot of sleepless nights and your mind never stops because you are not sure of where your next dollar comes from ever but you know what you you become you become that ultimate squirrel don't you like 
you ha- oh, you you have no, stuff absolutely. hoarded away like right now um the world could uh, could end and for a couple of years i'm not going to notice it not whether you know whether we run out of food or money you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and the thing is i think i'm a little better than a squirrel cuz i guarantee if i buried it i remember where the hell it's at <laughs> Wait, wait, wait till you got 10 more years on you. I'm not sure about where all mine's buried anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can. I, I probably not either. I just figured I'd throw that in. <laughs> so you've been doing that for 10 years and, and uh, you said that you've kind of stepped back from you don't appear as much on the show now. I didn't really, you know, from from the day one, the premise, you know, was I really just wanted to get the show up and running. I, you know, I. I, I, I'm not driven by ego for this TV show or any TV show I do. It's more of a, it's my livelihood. Um, my hunting show, hunting fish, I call it a hunting show. It's more or less an all outdoors version. I, we do hunting, fishing, trapping, making lure. We do everything on my, my, uh, original show, but I try and get my dad in front of the camera as much as possible. And then the trapping show, um, the first couple of years, it was it was tough because I was reusing footage from DVDs, and and then you know F and T uh, mentioned you know why don't we you know get some other people on, and I'm like absolutely. So I've I've traveled, uh, you know, putting a bunch of different guys on from different parts of the country, showing different fur bears over the last you know six or seven years, and and I think it's been a good format that has. Uh, been received well um there's a lot of things we could do better there's a lot of things we could do worse um but uh ultimately uh you know i'm on like two or man i think the most i was ever on was maybe four but two or three shows a year i think last year i did a a raccoon show and a and a predator show that's when i was showing my techniques and i think we had uh uh four or five other people involved gary schumann's always one of the people we have on the show because he's just such a unique character um with his waterline and muskrats he pounds out thousands of muskrats a year there in northern michigan um but uh ultimately you know it's 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 set up to promote trapping and and show viable methods and techniques that everybody can go out there and and have some fun and and uh, get a little more added to your outdoor lifestyle. Yeah, I always, you know, you get so many people that ask you questions. Usually, the anonymous people across the internet, right? Why do you do that? Why do you kill those animals? Yep. And yep. you know, to to try and make them understand how much they impact uh, the animals around them every day, just driving back and forth to work. You know that, that you know how much people do not exist in a vacuum. And the other mistaken belief that people have is that they say, you know, well, until man upset the balance of nature. Well, man was always yeah. a part of a balance of nature, at least for the last couple million years, man's been around. Yep. So we've always been there. Uh, I don't ever discriminate against people who buy their meat at the, at the uh, grocery store, uh, but they should not discriminate against me because I choose to, to kill it myself. You know? yep, that's where I come in. That's where my, that's why I'm a libertarian. Uh, if you don't bother me, I'm not going to bother you. And if you're the government, leave me alone and keep your hands off my money. Uh, that's pretty much my view on everything. If nobody, if somebody leaves me alone, I don't care what they're doing. I don't care if they're marrying their cousin. I don't care 
if as long as they're not doing something that's detrimental or harmful to somebody else, yeah, I don't care what they do. As long as they leave me alone, I'm going to leave them alone. And that's one thing that these antis that are so against fur and this 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 culture that's been created, um, where well, I'm a vegan, I don't I don't I don't hurt anything. <laughs> well, no, yeah, you do because where do you think your food's grown? Well, that five thousand acres they plowed to plant your vegan food, they just destroyed 5,000 acres of an ecosystem that had ground nesting birds, rabbits, moles, varmints, uh, groundhogs, uh, you know, they, they destroyed the whole ecosystem to give you a warm fuzzy. Yeah, no. It's, 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 it's mind numbing to me that people just don't have the, the, the sensibility to be able to just understand that inside their own minds. And, and I don't think we're ever going to get away from it, quite honestly. Well, I mean, but the numbers have shown time and time again that we cannot, there, 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 it isn't possible to put enough of the earth uh, under agriculture to, for everybody to have a vegan lifestyle. You know, you just can't. No, it's you, just have, not. you have to have that meat protein. There's just, there's no other way for, for it to succeed, right? So I mean, have you ever seen a healthy looking vegan? <laughs> have you honestly? I mean, well, you know, I don't, have you I don't ever. I don't hardly seen know, a healthy looking vegan, but I don't hardly know a vegan because because I mean, you can't you can't say hi to somebody without them telling you they're a vegan if they're a vegan, right? You know, it's well. It's see, like, I'm out here on the east coast. <laughs> I'm on the east coast. I got I got vegans everywhere, and okay. I got I got people like we invite people to my kids' birthday party and. And they're like, well, are you going to have any vegan options? And, you know, my comeback always is, well, I can mow the lawn that day. But literally, but, but seriously, on a serious note, I, I, there's vegans everywhere. And they are frail, pale-looking individuals. <laughs> they, they got, they've got no color. They, they're, they're frail, no muscle mass. Or if they do have muscle mass, it's just like a muscle attached to a bone. <laughs> and and I just think to myself, that's just unhealthy. I, I, I just I, I don't know. We, we, you we know, go around and around. If I ha- if I had to face life without with the thought of never having another ribeye, like hell with it. It ain't worth it no more. Let's get uh, it over with. <laughs> I, I I just I don't. I, I literally, I don't understand it, man. I really don't. I don't, I, you know, it, it's amazing. I don't want to get all political here, but it's, a, you know, my mind just goes nonstop. And you're, you're talking about that and the vegans. And then my mind goes to, you know, now that we're dealing with this coronavirus and don't you, isn't it funny how like when the news media and it doesn't matter, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, doesn't matter when they're giving the totals of the people infected and the people who have died and whatever. Uh, they're saying this percentage of men and yep. this percentage of women. Why? Why are they not <laughs> letting us know the other forty-seven genders I know, I know. that that have that have died from the coronavirus? Isn't it amazing how everything everything's back to two genders again? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just mind-numbing to me. I got I got uh, my uh, my one boy and his uh, wife both working in the healthcare system, and uh, I said to him, "I says, so how do you guys handle this gender system?" He says, "This gender thing when they come to the hospital." He says, "There's only two genders in the hospital, Dad." 
Yeah. Says, There's only two genders in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> he says, he oh says you're either God. a man or a woman. And he says, we treat you based on that. He says, whatever you, you, you're telling yourself, you know, b- between your ears, that's up to you, right? <laughs> oh. And, you know, you got to feel bad. I don't, I mean, that's not, I don't live with that. And if somebody has to live with that, maybe it is something that, you know, they need some help with. But to, to just go through life and, and be mad at the world about everything. I just don't understand it. I, I think it's a sign of boredom. I think it's a sign of, of decadence in our in our society that we are so grotesquely well off that we can worry about things like that. You know? Yeah, I think that's the case. If so, like, look at it right now. You don't see a hint of that because everybody's worried about dying. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's worried about catching, a, everybody's worried about catching the coronavirus. And the media's got people just completely, uh, you know, uh, just on wits end with everything. You know, you got people hoarding toilet paper. Oh, my God. Well, it's the old saying, right? There, uh, uh, there are no atheists in a foxhole. <laughs> no, no, no. They're all praying for God to come save them. It's, it's, a, it's a funny world we live in, my friend. And the trapping industry is, uh, is one of those aspects that, that we get. The, all forms and walks of life that just seem to have an opinion on everything that's done uh, in in our in our uh, outdoor pursuits. <laughs> you're, you're you're doing something different too, um, both with with um, uh, fur products and with uh, wild wild meat, right? Yep, uh, that's you know that comes down to a financial thing, though. That was you know you you, you know. I've told you I've been in TV for 15 years, okay? I also ran three different networks at one time. I was running for three years, running Wild TV, Pursuit Channel, and Sportsman's Channel with my program. I had some very, very large sponsors. I had Swarovski Optics, Tink 69, Excalibur Crossbows, Ram Trucks. I mean, I was, you know, I I was having a lot of national attention uh, from these shows and getting a lot of national sponsors but here's the thing you know over the course of 15 years i've probably paid networks about two to two and a half million dollars to air my program yeah now i was also not getting enough sponsorship dollar to cover that i was i had a, a a business plan and and you know it didn't come to fruition the way i wanted it to i just didn't have enough help um, I, I, I tried to do, I think most everything myself. I had a couple employees. It, it just, I was spending hand, money hand over fist running these programs at the national level. And it spent two, two and a half million dollars running these programs. Well, as you know, there's no residual income on that. No. And there's no retirement. There's no money coming in six months later. It's you get paid, your money goes out. You take what's left over and you live on that. So after, you know, branding and putting that much money into it, I said, you know, I got to find something that can give me a residual value. And I got to build it off of this brand that I've spent so much money on. And in that process, uh, I started researching uh, the beef industry and the exotics. Now, when I say exotics, I'm more talking venison, elk, and and uh, buffalo and wild boar and things like that. Not so much alligator and, and crazy exotics, even <laughs> though we do carry those products. No bats. But I really needed to. <laughs> yeah, no bats. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not charring up bats. 
<laughs> I, it's unreal. I, I mean, I got to go just sideways just, just for a second here. Did you happen no. to see that meme where the guy says, if anybody thinks that one person can't change the world, they've never ate an undercooked bat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and which, which is just funny in and of itself, because I don't think the virus started from that. I think my, you know, conspiracy theory mind is that this virus was created in a, in a laboratory in Wuhan and accidentally escaped in what my thought process is. But uh, back to your yeah, stuff. The, the whole bad thing. No, no, the whole bad thing. Did you see the video online of that market over there? Oh my god! Where, where they have like the the pythons and yep. that, like what the hell? I would I wouldn't eat one thing they had there. <laughs> and I eat beaver and muskrat and all that. But I sure as hell am not eating bat. I hate bats. Oh man, it, it's nasty, bad. nasty. I love most mammals, but I do not like bats. <laughs> I don't think that, I could that, eat. that thing should be. Oh, I don't think oh, I could eat a pegolin no either. <laughs> no, no, no. I just don't get it. But you know, to get to back to the food stuff, I just started the Wild Meat Company because I needed to create a business um, off of this brand with the recognition, so I could have some damn income. Right. And from there, from there, doing the trapping stuff and. And the wild fur aspect has has come along. I still have a lot of way, uh, long ways to go with that to where I'm happy with it. But uh, we do have, you know, the websites up and running for the stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it's nice that my store is shut down right now. And, you know, I wake up and, you know, I got three or four online orders. And, well, okay, well, I made a hundred bucks today. Okay, that's good. And, you know, so I have some income uh, from that. And that's really, because you can't do TV forever. And, no, and you no. know, I basically, quite honestly, I'm going to be working on some stuff here over the next five to seven years. And then I kind of want to uh, step away from that. And hopefully my son by that time is in college uh, playing golf and has an opportunity to move forward uh, with that. Um, he just got some really bad news today. Uh, my son is uh, 12 years old, but he's got a six handicap at, 12. Oh my he's goodness. A pretty damn good. Yeah, he's a pretty good golfer. He, he's uh, from the men's tees at 12 years old shooting in the mid 70s. Oh. And I haven't been able well, I haven't been able to beat him since he was 9 and obviously I have a little bit of athletic ability, but he pounds me and he laughs at me and makes fun of me and all that. But he uh he, he got two bad clicks of news today. They canceled the drive chip putt qualifiers for this year for the masters. So he doesn't have a chance to qualify for that. And in his tour last year in New Jersey, he, by breaking into the mid seventies qualified for the European world championship in Europe. And it was supposed to be over Memorial day weekend in Scotland, the birthplace. Oh, of golf. wow. And he, he would be competing against the the best from over 50 different countries in his age division, which he did two years ago. He went to the Worlds, and uh, he qualified for the Worlds in Pinehurst, and he went down there. He played all right. He shot, I think, low 80s uh, when he was 10 years old. He shot low 80s and finished about middle of the pack. Uh, but he would have been able to compete against about 175 to 200 kids 
uh, in his age division at the European Championship in Scotland on three different courses. That's uh, cool, though. In 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 May of this year, and they just canceled it. So yeah. he he hasn't had a good day. No, that's that, that's which, cool. But you know, you know, I think the my favorite quote ever is that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've been wasted on the young. Yeah, when you we get to be our age, when we actually know something, you know, we've we've been actually been using that brain that that we grew for the first forty years of our life, and then started to use. And, you know, we, yeah, and then your body, your body yeah. says, "I don't think so." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was a catcher in baseball. I've had three knee operations and my my elbow bone chips and my shoulder rotator cuff. Literally, when I wake up in the morning over the last six months, I started to wear. Uh, instead of rolling out of bed, literally rolling out of bed, not like picking myself up by Mars, but literally rolling out of the bed, I have started to wake up and then just stretch. And by stretching, I'm able to have a little more mobility through the day. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> well, this has been a blast, bud. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we took another run at it. Um, let, uh, do you have a website uh, that you'd like to put out there where people get a hold of you and ca catch up with what you're doing? Yeah, I'm not hard to find. If you type my name in on Facebook, uh, a lot of different stuff will come up. Uh, the the meat website is just our name, wildmeats.com. And the first stuff that we offer is wildfurs.us. And uh, I will have two more websites coming out uh, in the next probably three to four months. Um, which will be my trapping one, which is NorthAmericanTrapper.com, where we're going to offer our our baits and lures and some things um, that we're putting together for trapping. And then uh, I'm going to be doing a uh, WildSportsman.tv website, which is going to carry all of our TV shows that you can watch online if you can't get them on the tube. So, oh, very cool. Uh, we're just trying to, yeah, just trying to make. Uh, a little place for everybody to come and see everything that we offer. We'll have a landing page with those four logos over time. And, and uh, whichever one you want to go to, you can click that one. It'll take you directly to it. But yeah, wildmeats.com and wildfurs.us is what we have running right now. That's excellent. Are you going to the NTA this year? I'm going to try and get there. Um, I was thinking that that might be where we – Actually, we've been working pretty hard over the last two months uh, putting our new baits and lures together. Um, they are going to be uh, on the upper side of, of pricing because of what we're putting into it. Just for instance, our predator bait, we are putting four equal parts of ground poultry, ground angus, fresh ground prairie dog and rendered prairie dog and all four of those with uh beaver caster beaver juice uh some other tinctures and we're gonna let people know what's in it um it is going to be a little more expensive than some that are on the market just for the mere fact that this is what we feel is is one of the better baits and obviously when you're putting that much of a quality product into something it's going to be a little more expensive yeah, but yeah uh we you know i look at things i don't like to do things you know half way more per se and it's it's if i'm going to do something i want to do it the way i feel that it's right and i feel that uh 
putting everything that we're putting in the baits and lures is is going to make them uh, very successful for anybody that uses them. We've obviously been using these in the field and have had great success, and we're really proud of the. Uh, I don't know if you use any dog proofs up there for your coons, but that's you know used quite a bit here in the states, and <laughs> our bait is uh, our bait that we're using for our DPs is completely crawfish. And it's, it's because we're setting these cylinders, which if anybody knows about nature, they resemble a crawfish. And if a raccoon comes up and smells crawfish, they immediately think a crawfish is down in there and they reach in instead of poking around and, and this and that and everything. And the one thing that we promote uh, and we are promoting is that no bait goes outside of the trap. You know, like most DP baits, you want to sprinkle, get them eating it so they reach down in. We want everything in that cylinder so all that crawfish smell is only coming out of that uh, cylinder. And and that's going to be some of the things that we'll be putting on video and, and, and just kind of bringing that to the forefront. And hopefully people uh, are receptive to it and, and are successful. That's our whole thing. We want people to be successful. Well, I mean, with any, any product, anything that we do, uh, you know, we, we want to be proud of our product. Um, as far as, as raccoons go, I have to drive 15 hours south to find a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, you don't have them that no, far north. No, that would be not. a pretty big woodly, probably <laughs> big wool, maybe one big boar traveling up there out of the area. <laughs> well, maybe we... Well, I think it's cool. Go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe we get together and and uh, chat again uh, if you make it to the NDA. We're, we're going to try and make it this year. It's Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yep, it's in Kalamazoo. I think it's there in the middle of June, late June. Yeah. Um, I uh, I am going to try and get there. I always enjoy seeing. I mean, I have a lot of friends in the industry that I've dealt with over the years. Uh, you know, Bill Duke at Duke Traps and Gerald Schmidt um, is a really uh, good friend of mine that I've I've dealt with Gerald since 2003 when I first came into the industry, and he's always been a. a steadfast supporter and it's always nice to catch up with him and jim spencer might be there i don't know if you know who jim is no i don't i've known him for yeah i've known him since 2002 or three and jim's yeah jim's actually one of the probably the premier mink trappers in the country back in the day out there in missouri he would catch literally hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these things wow um they got those cat they got those catfish ponds down there though man those mink just love those catfish oh, yeah. ponds yeah they would <laughs> but i yeah i appreciate you having me on and and uh you're an interesting character and i always love watching your show when i get a chance to to see it as i told you in the the conversation we had before we did this i, I really enjoyed that link show i just uh really a cool animal and, and just watching uh it reminded me of filming that mike gursky canadian trap line adventure back in the early 2000s where you know you, you go after animals that you don't have here on the east yeah uh it's just a, a cool thing to watch and and uh you and your wife do a nice job and and uh, if you ever need anything from me, I'll be more than happy to help out in any way. Well, let's keep in touch, and, and hopefully uh, the, the world straightens out here and we get off of crazy, and, and uh, we'll be able to meet in Callum Zoo. It sounds like a plan, my friend. All right. Thank you. I hope everybody enjoyed the, this two-part uh, show today, and uh, maybe we'll catch you down the line.